Poetry on Air with Sheboygan Poet Laureate Lisa Vihos. Hi, I'm Lisa Vihos, and this is Poetry on Air, a program of Mead Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, in which we explore poetry and the meaning and inspiration it brings to our lives. My guest today is Eric Neve, poet, a former teacher at Etude High School, and leader of the band Cedarwell. I am so glad to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you, Lisa. I'm really happy to be here, too. Excellent. Well, let's start, as we usually do here on Poetry on Air, with hearing some poems that have been inspirational to you. So what did you bring today, Eric? I brought three poems. Um, The first one is by a poet named Robert Hayden. He was very famous for a longer poem called Middle Passage, which he explores the slave trade um, through kind of the exploration of the ships that brought the slaves over to America. This poem is a short one called Those Winter Sundays. Sundays, too, my father got up early and put his clothes on in the blue-black cold. Then, with cracked hands that ached from labor in the weekday weather made banked fires blaze. No one ever thanked him. I'd wake and hear the cold splintering, breaking. When the rooms were warm, he'd call. And slowly I would rise and dress fearing the chronic angers of that house. Speaking indifferently to him, who had driven out the cold and polished my good shoes as well, what did I know? What did I know of love's austere and lonely offices? Mm. Beautiful. Yes. Tell me what was it about that poem that grabbed you so this is a poem that my teacher in school or one of the foundational teachers for me um taught often um and referenced often uh i think you know it's such a compact concise poem and with an emotional valence that um kind of resonates beyond what is seemingly said in the poem like something happens to me at least in my understanding of their relationship without him ever really saying what what happened or what it is yeah so in in poetry teaching world we use this term called show don't tell right where you're trying to um, express an idea without kind of saying it explicitly um, because that visual or um, even sonic representation just works at a different level yeah um, for the listener or the reader than just saying i love my father but he was kind of mean but i also loved him but that's kind of what because he built the fires every morning (laughs) kind of what the poem is saying and also with this one particularly the the economy of language just that first sentence to Sundays to even those first two words 
it automatically implies, okay, this father works every single day of the week mm-hmm. and even on Sundays. Right. Just by adding that simple, that simple yeah. word. And, and then I guess lastly, there's a, uh, a kind of more technical reason I like the poem. And I think about in my own poetry a lot, um, mm-hmm. the kind of cacophonous sounds yeah. that happen throughout the poem. And that just means these hard consonants, closed, blue, black, cold, cracked, ached, mm-hmm. uh, weekday weather, thanked, cold, splintering, breaking. It, it just is very mm. uh, evident throughout the yeah. poem. But then at the end, the, the lines just kind of smooth out. Mm. What did I know? What did I know of love's austere and lonely offices? There's so many soft sounds and L's and S's and F's yeah. that I think that kind of effect is really hard to ex- describe mm. exactly. Yeah. But it definitely has an effect where the love shines through in a musical way rather yeah. than like a... a in a telling way way, it's not telling yeah yeah. you're hearing you're feeling it yeah so i like that's beautiful you just taught you like you are you're like a natural teacher of poetry (laughs) because i think these are things i kind of grapple with in my own writing like to make it more lively and engaging for the reader you can't just tell them tell them stuff Mm -hmm. you have to show it or sound it with the sonic you know i mean it's yeah, just like both of those things it's this one does both it like, does and uses such cool phrase blue black cold mm-hmm. and banked fires blaze these beautiful yeah phrases that that say a lot just in a very right. small amount of space that's that's i'm beautiful. still i still struggle with that because i can be kind of mm. verbose oh man <laughs> i have to Me edit too. my poems down from like three <laughs> pages to yeah a stanza just, i know just I'm like, shut up, Eric. Stop saying all that. Well, that, that, that was, that's lovely. And I have to admit, I wasn't familiar with the poetry of Robert Hayden. So I'm going to be checking him out. So yeah, thank he's you really, for that. Really excellent. Hmm. That's um, very cool. So the next one is yeah. called A Blessing. Mm-hmm. I, in my own private world of creativity, I, I refer to these next two poets as the Wright brothers. Oh, because they're both have the last name Wright. They're not related. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> they have the same last name, and they've both been very influential on mm. me. Okay. This first one's called A Blessing. It's probably James Wright's most famous poem. Okay. Let's hear it. Just off the highway to Rochester, Minnesota, twilight bounds softly forth on the grass. And the eyes of those two Indian ponies darken with kindness. They have come gladly out of the willows to welcome my friend and me. We step over the barbed wire into the pasture where they have been grazing all day alone. They ripple tensely. They can hardly contain their happiness that we have come. They bow shyly as wet swans. They love each other. There is no loneliness like theirs. At home once more, they begin munching the young tufts of spring in the darkness. 
I would like to hold the slenderer one in my arms, for she has walked over to me and nuzzled my left hand. She is black and white. Her mane falls wild on her forehead, and the light breeze moves me to caress her long ear that is delicate as the skin over a girl's wrists. Suddenly, I realize that if I stepped out of my body, I would break into blossom. Hmm. Transformative. Yeah. (laughs) What's happening in this poem? (laughs) I still get shivers when I read the last line. Yeah. Um, Wow. So obviously another kind of show, don't tell Mm -hmm. kind of of poem. Mm -hmm. I think the only word that sort of tells is maybe there is no loneliness like theirs, but Mm -hmm. everything else is really patient description. Yeah. It's just, I mm. think of it like when you walk into an art museum and mm. you start to look at a piece and you just are slowly taking in mm-hmm. elements of the painting and compositional structure. And, yeah. And you, of course, take in the whole, which right. you can't do with poetry. You have to go kind line of temporally. Line, yeah. yeah. Um, but you still do that when you look at something, you take in that. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I see the barbed wire. Now yeah. I see. Now there's added these these ponies that are walking up. Now I yeah. see the 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 flowers. Yeah. Um, well, you read it beautifully too, sort oh. of slowly and quietly. Like I could see the ponies. Like the ponies were right here. You know, yeah. that was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just think because of that patience, that last line mm. just explodes my. Mm-hmm. perception of what's actually happening. The, the other thing is that's the first time, uh, sorry, one of the first times that the I is actually used. Yes. I think it, there's one other time. I would like to hold the slenderer, which is a lovely word. Right. Slenderer. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, it becomes deeply personal. Right. And deeply centered on the individual. Mm-hmm. But the whole rest of the poem is about the external, the mm-hmm. world outside of the poet. Mm-hmm. And then the poet gets transformed in that moment. That's beautiful. Um, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Hence the title. Yeah. <laughs> and I also think it, just like another, the other thing I kind of geek out about technique and mm-hmm. craft is I use this poem in my own teaching to, to teach lineation and line breaks. Oh. Mm-hmm. So that if you took those last, I know we can't see it on a podcast, but if you took Mm -hmm. those last three lines Mm -hmm. and you um, just read it to a group of students Mm -hmm. or friends or dogs or whoever can (laughs) understand poetry, Mm -hmm. then you ask them to to organize the line as they would expect it. Yeah. They rarely come up with this lineation Uh and this um, kind of surprise of where the line breaks. Yeah. Uh, I think adds to the power of mm. at least when you're reading it mm-hmm. on the on the page. Mm-hmm. I might stop at it that if I stepped out of my body, exactly. That's where most people do. I would That's break what I into did. blossom. Yeah, but the I would break is on the line with my body, right? Because at first it's, mm. there's like a it's almost like a violence. I would break. Oh, why you into break? Blossom. And then into blossom. It's like oh, oh cool. So I like That's that. beautiful. Let's have the third one. Okay. So this is Charles Wright. He is, he just died recently, I think. Mm. Um, he was the teacher of my teacher. Oh. 
at, okay. in when I was at Oregon. We're, so at I Oregon. F- okay. sort of feel like he's my grandfather. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> in in poetry. Yeah. World. Yeah. He. The, he and the other, and um, the other Wright brother, James Wright. They yeah. both won Pulitzer prizes. I read yep. here in their little mini bios. Yep, that's true. Charles Wright was the poet laureate for a little while. Okay. Uh, nationally, I think he uh, he got ousted because he didn't do enough. Oh, geez. He was writing too much poetry. <laughs> That's what he said in one day interview. He's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm, a poet. I'm a poet. Okay, so go ahead. A- this is a long title. After reading Tufu, I go outside to the dwarf orchard. East of me, west of me, full summer. How deeper than elsewhere the dusk is in your own yard. Birds fly back and forth across the lawn looking for home as night drifts up like a little boat. Day after day, I become of less use to myself. Like this mockingbird, I flit from one thing to the next. What do I have to look forward to? At 54, tomorrow is dark. Day after tomorrow is darker still. The sky dogs are whimpering. Fireflies are dragging the hush of evening up from the damp grass. Into the world's tumult, into the chaos of every day, go quietly, quietly. Nice. Yeah. This is maybe my favorite poem of all time. That's pretty cool. Because I love sky dogs. I love sky dogs, and I loved the fireflies dragging the hush of evening yeah. up from the damp grass. Yes. That is exactly what happens. Yeah, right? He, he always surprises you. <laughs> but I never you, would like, have described it that way. With how he, Charles Wright, describes something, and then at first you're sort of confused, like, sky dogs are whimpering? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, the sky dogs are whimpering mm. or yeah. dragging the hush of evening. It's yeah. making so many things hmm. in the world visible through language. Yeah, that's beautiful. I had to look up Tu Fu, a Chinese poet. Mm-hmm. Chinese so, poet. He's, and, uh, he's deep into that world. Yeah, that, it's a it's beautiful. So was this another? This was another poem from your schooling years. Yeah, came to you. Okay. Yeah, cool. um, I wrote a long, probably. Uh, well, I wrote a long paper about this ah. particular poem. So this is a big one. the The other thing I really like is he mixes the kind of show. He he kind of undermines the idea of completely show don't tell because mm. it's if it's taken too simplistically like any idea mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. can be kind of weaponized and yeah. then oh you told something then it's yeah. not a poem yeah well day of d- day after day i become of less use to myself yeah there's a kind of despondency or like um yep uselessness uselessness that's right. that's in that line mm. but if he would have started the poem there mm-hmm. and just kept going on mm-hmm. i think we'd all be like dude <laughs> stop whining 
<laughs> like you're yeah. a middle-aged man and you're kind of bummed out and we get it, but yeah. who cares? But he's ground, he's put that whole thing into the natural world. I love which that. Which is what I loved. I love that too. Yeah. He grounds, I think that's a perfect word. Yeah. He grounds the idea. Mm. And that's probably what poetry is doing a lot of the time, grounding ideas in the world. Lisa Vijos, and we're back with Poetry on Air. My guest today is Eric Neve. Now we get to hear some some of his own poetry. So what did you bring today, Eric? I'm going to start with a slightly longer poem and then two shorter ones. Okay. Um, this poem is called Submersion. I don't have a self anymore than I have a gray pile of days spilling out from shadows that push against the horizon like my daughter's taut smile in the car seat behind me. I'm never alone. The weather's warm as I drive with a friend and his kid who is friends with my kids to a cold mountain lake as deep as a prairie. Acidic tilt of the afternoon fills up the valley with sunlight. There's grapes on the vine in a plastic container that are sweeter than rain or the sun that they're made of. But me, I want time in a bottle of bourbon as brown as the sand. We walk to the water to dip our big toes in the cool of the heavens. I drop from the dock like a sock full of pebbles in the fragrance of swimming alone for a couple of seconds. I let the world go. As it stretches its fingers around me, forgetting my children, forgetting their mother and all of the promises she couldn't make in the mornings, I lay waste to questions. How the glass covered the carpet or how the sun clanged like a symbol and shattered around us like water, forgetting the steps that I took to find closure around her, forgetting her fist as it opened and closed in my face like a flower, forgetting the blood from my lips as it blossomed and withered and tasted like metal that sharpened between us. As I surface for air from the ice of the glistening water before the first snow of the season, I think I remember the reason I drove to the mountain this morning. But then I forget it again and fill my lungs with gallons of angels and sink in a dream of submersion. Wow. Interesting. So, is what we were talking about before, this kind of melding of the human experience with the natural world and hear the water like kind of becoming this other character in the story yeah that's absolutely right like the water becoming another character um taking on a kind of transformative power that's what it's trying to to do Mm -hmm. um taking like a simple afternoon drive with friend and right and letting that that moment 
I mean, I can't help but think of break into blossom, like kind of letting that yes. submersion break you into this other, this yeah. other place, this other. That's what I noticed when I read space. the poems that you sent me as the ones that had inspired you. And then, and I know your poetry anyway from hearing you read. Yeah. But this one in particular kind of echoed that break into blossom, uh, you know, option. It was like, yeah. wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but in your, but I mean, in your own different way, it's just that it echoed it, you know, you know, it brought it to mind. Um, how long, when did you write this poem? Um, this was right at the end of my MFA. So that was mm -hmm. like 2016. Okay. And I'm curious, I've wondered when poets, uh, move the lines around on the page, like people just listening to it wouldn't know this. You have to be looking at it, but the lines indent and kind of almost create like, I don't know, like a wave pattern. Was that what you, was, is that why people do that? I've, you know, I've never known how to take that on as a, yeah. as a thing. Like why, yeah. why do poets do that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, it's fun. Part of it is fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think art should be, yeah. Create creativity should be creative, like yeah. trying new things trying and new play, things. Yeah. playing. Um mm. but in a more I, I guess academic's not really the right word, but in a for a more academic reason, like there's things we were testing, mm -hmm. I guess, um about white space on a page. Just like a painter okay. would think about yeah. like how how the experience of one version of a poem um affects a reader differently than another yeah. so in a workshop it's really nice because like this poem particularly went through about hmm. six versions of how it was organized oh, interesting um and someone oh. had picked up on this rhythm that happens yeah. there's like a yeah. bum but a bum but a bum but a bum 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 yeah. but a bum but a bum but a bum yeah. um and they th they thought what if you kind of tried to mimic that rollicking yeah. rhythm in in and how you set up the lines right well and as you were reading it it had this lilting feeling yeah and but i didn't know if that was because how you were reading or because of how they were on the page or it's a marriage of the two things a I marriage think it's of the two i mean i heard it the two. i yeah. heard the rhythm while i was writing it yeah. i felt like a yeah. couple times i had to put my brake on it because i <laughs> i can tend to like ooh, that's i like that rhythm and i'll yeah. just like, go full force into yeah. it and then it can get really annoying mm. if it's too heavy-handed well, that connects me to one of the questions I wanted to ask you about, because being a musician, yeah, you know, I mean, and music has all the, you know, all the features in it. I mean, there's rhythm, there's sound, there's harmony, there's, but the rhythm part, like, yeah. or for you, though, being a poet, how do, how do song lyrics and poetry resemble each other or not? And which, which did you start out with in your creative self? Was it? as a songwriter and then you refined into i call it refining into poetry what did, how did that go for you so actually it was more the well that's a hard that's a difficult question but i would say as far as my own creations it was poetry first okay then music but i was around music all the time growing up especially mm -hmm. in church um my creative writing class in high school with Tad Wente, who's mm -hmm. awesome, yes. um, taught at North for many years. And then at Etude, she introduced me to poetry and I just fell mm -hmm. in love with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I 
continued reading it, but I, I kind of shifted all that energy into songwriting. Okay. When I started playing, playing in a band. Yeah. Um, and didn't really write poems proper. I still mm-hmm. thought about lyrics a lot. Yeah. And I still to this day probably write lyrics first yeah. or very closely related to the music. I, I almost never just write like music alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. And why is it that it's so easy to remember the lyrics to a song and not a poem? Is it just because we listen to songs like a lot and they just become, I mean, it's like I can recall songs from all yeah. different times in my life. I cannot recite very many poems. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think it, I think it has to do with the musicality of the mm-hmm. language. Mm-hmm. I mean, all three poets I brought before, even though the, the poems I was reading weren't particularly formal, mm-hmm. um, they all have formal training. So they're thinking yeah. about yeah. the rhythm of the words and about, you know, the sound of the words, mm-hmm. rhymes, even if they're not exact yeah. rhymes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more traditionally formal poetry is really easy to remember. That's true. Because it's like a nursery rhyme. That's true. And I, I would say mm. in some ways that, that rhythm that I was talking about in this poem does let me, like I remember certain lines from this poem mm-hmm. just because they have a musicality to them. Yeah. Um, whereas poems that are just... Free verse. Totally free, yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> maybe is impossible, but <laughs> totally free, like word words jumbled together yeah. or something would have almost nothing to hold on to yeah well and memory. i've noticed like spoken word artists or slam poets seem because of the rhyme that's often mm-hmm. part of it, it you know they just, they don't sit there with a piece of paper when they read sure they're sure it's clearly like yeah it's like embodied, a song. you know it's like a song yeah because if you set up a rhyme and then yeah. you and you stop mm-hmm. even people that don't no, can usually guess like, yes, what the next word next. is. Exactly. That's part of the fun <laughs> of w- r- working with rhyme. I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of rhyme in, in that poem I just read. But actually, the next poem I'm going to read is actually very formal. Okay. It's rhyming um, quatrains. Let's hear it. So it's a good one to move to. Okay. This is called Divorce in the Near Death of a Succulent. It's part of a series of poems uh, like this. My succulent is on the sill. I pull it across the desk. One leaf has a flush of red. The rest are dead and still in the garish, phony light. My wife gave me this plant and reminded me three times, you can't forget to do this right. Only water once a week or else the thing will die. What did I do wrong? And why are the shriveled leaves still streaked with thin fringes of purple and gold? Was this some kind of test? I hold the plant up to my chest and cry for what I cannot hold. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Hearing you read it, too. I mean, I read it on the, off the page you know, yesterday or whatever, but hearing you read it, the rhyme... But that's why you have to read poetry out. You have to say it out loud. You have to hear it, yeah. You just read it off the page. (laughs) I I doubt any of my former students will (laughs) listen to this podcast, but they'll they'll probably laugh if they heard, Mm -hmm. like, 
I force them to read everything out loud. Uh-huh. And because I think it's the only way you can hear where yeah. you would stumble up on something, where,、mm-hmm. where something sounds right, where it sounds wrong. Because as soon as you do, you can sort of hear, oh, that's not how yeah, I wanted it to sound. Yeah. That's yeah. why it's this. Yeah. No.、Oh. And I mean, the succulent t- sort of caring for that, but then caring for the relationship. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot to un- un- what's it, unpack here、mm-hmm. in this poem. <laughs> yeah. Trying to. I, I, what, which one would it be on there? It'd probably be from, from James Wright's A Blessing, kind of that idea、mm-hmm. of using a metaphor without. Hammering it、yeah. home so hard,、yeah. or like,、mm. your eyes are like the sea. Your <laughs> eyes are like the sea. I love your eyes. I love the sea. Your eyes are like the sea. You know, well, trying not, to,、mm. to just slip it in more, a little more subtly. Because、mm-hmm. um, I think you're absolutely right that caring for the, for the plant, caring for the marriage, that's obviously the point of the poem. Yeah.、Um, the metaphorical point.、Um, but there's ways to do that really. That, that are aggravating. Well, I think you, you're not aggravating in this poem. Oh, thank you. Well, and it also makes、I'm、me think of, of the one. one, the first one, the Robert Hayden, because there's a story. Yeah. You know, clearly there's a story, and you just give us little、uh, glimpses into the story, but it's a story pretty much anybody could understand. Like Absolutely. A, a breakup of、yeah. a relationship. Yeah. And a plant, and, you know, all, just everything about it. It's. It's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. I, I just feel like I had a little mini lesson in poetry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was really nice to be able to look back on these other poets and share some of my own. So, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. You have been listening to Poetry on Air, hosted by Sheboygan's Poet Laureate. Lisa Vios. Questions or comments can be directed to Lisa at poetlaureatesheboygan at gmail.com. Poetry on Air is produced in the studios at Reed Public Library in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. More information on the web at meadpl.org.